Dude, 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 this song closed. We gotta change it. Time for a zero check. Oh no, that's even worse. I couldn't cut was Hello, faithful audience, and welcome to a new episode of The Zero Check. This is Season 5, Episode 7, and the albums that we will be discussing are Presidents of the United States of America's self-titled album, Boston's self-titled album, Taylor Swift's album Red, I don't know which version, and yeah, the Brian Jones Massacre, Methadrone. Does Taylor Swift mm-hmm. have a self-titled album as well? <laughs> um, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I think yeah, the Massacre Dozen is an excellent album. <laughs> it's actually episode six. Oh, I guess it is. That's okay. Uh, welcome you, you to season episode six of the Zero Check, as I said. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> welcome to the Swift Check. Yes. Yeah, we're changing the name. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> Not there there are now Swift. officially two Swifties on this <laughs> on this on this podcast. Wow! You know, with, with her popularity, we just promote this episode as a really Taylor Swift heavy episode. We'll get a lot of listeners. Possible, yeah, right? I mean, it depends what we say about it. I suppose <laughs> things have gone viral for stranger reasons. It's true. I mean, I I don't ever expect to go viral, but you never know. But. Yeah. With, great virality comes, with great virality comes great responsibility. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Seems right, like we so... should talk. We should start with Miss Swift then. Continue. Or save it. Sounds week. like a reasonable, um, a reasonable idea. So, uh, Richard, that was your album, I do believe. So, would you like to introduce her? All right. Uh, yeah, my selection from last episode was Taylor Swift's album Red. Uh, Taylor's version, which um, for those who don't know, uh, I don't know the exact story. Somebody could probably do a much better job. Uh, many people out there could do a much better job of describing this. But there was some uh, dispute, some fight with the somebody who bought her rights to her music library or something, and then sold it. it was and then her she first bought it. Label, yeah, yeah. And then she bought it back, and then she's re-recording everything. Yeah, she wants the rights to her masters. She wants the original yes. masters recordings, and her first label wouldn't give them back. There, there's probably some misunderstanding about who actually owned them based on the contract that was signed. But then she just re-recorded everything so she could own the masters for the re-recorded versions. There we Here go. We are. <laughs> to be fair, the, the re-recording sounds very much like the original. Yeah. Very much. Very um, much. So, so, so anyway, the, the reason I chose this album is because really the one Taylor Swift song I was familiar with was that uh, uh, I Knew You Were Trouble or I Knew You Were Trouble When You Walked In or whatever the name of it is. 
Uh, it's right here in front of me. I knew you were trouble. And um, but it turns out it was a good it was a good album to choose anyway because it's a real transition period between her previous life work as a sort of a country artist uh, and transitioning towards more of a pop artist. Uh, so that was kind of cool to listen to um, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, and uh, what else can I say about it? This this Taylor's version is very long. Uh, I apologized on the chat earlier today to the to the guys for choosing a two hour intro to Taylor Swift. Uh, yeah, I, I just I stopped was... after the first hour, like where the original album ended. Yeah, totally fair. I I made the selection out of ignorance, but uh, I'm still I'm I'm happy with it. I I've enjoyed the album. I, I love um, how in the album it actually has it listed as the 10 minute version for like a song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like song 30 is all too well the 10 minute version. Good God, is yeah, that a 10 and, minute version of that? <laughs> yeah, and also um, I think they made uh, like a short film. Like the like the music they made yeah it's almost like Sadie Sink from Stranger Things and whatnot and yeah. I, they showed it on Saturday Night Live yeah Ed Ross musical guest I remember seeing that yeah so yeah it's like yeah there's a music video which is really a short film to go with it um yeah I mean I wasn't I mean other than knowing what knowing the cultural uh powerhouse that taylor swift is uh among her audiences i didn't know too much about her music uh, so this was kind of a uh, kind of an adventure for me i guess and uh, i don't think i'd I actually think... heard any of these songs no same yeah believe it or I'd not only, kind of... i'd only i'd only heard i knew you were trouble but uh mm. yeah i came out of it uh a new person. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> new person. Some some people a find Jesus. Who... Some people find Taylor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I I gained a new appreciation for what it is she does and uh, her talent as a songwriter and uh, and a and a singer and musician. Is she? Am I her target audience? Uh, no. Um. Is she my new favorite artist? No, but I have a new appreciation. What do you guys think? Okay, so we're not we're not all jumping in at once. So I'll go first. <laughs> so I I, I sort of um, am, am kind of on on the same page as Richard here. I've uh, I've been exposed to Taylor through like her big hits, her singles. Um, on this album, 22 is actually my favorite song. I, I really enjoy sort of the upbeat, catchy version of that. I've actually heard some some re-recordings of that too from like some covers that I thought were quite good of that. Um, Probably my least favorite song on the entire album. <laughs> there we go. See, we like to give you you like to give you polar opposites here on this show. <laughs> um, but the the thing with Taylor is it's just it's it's fascinating to to watch how monstrous she has become in terms of her popularity mm -hmm. like you know the the um the amount of of people just in my own sort of social circle or my work circle that are um talking in like like a staff chat or a, or a chat like, who got tickets who got somebody help me get tickets i'm trying to get tickets and and i didn't even realize how many people were 
so desperate to get tickets to go see her tour. People that can't go see her tour are lining up at the movie theater to watch the tour on the big screen. Um, she's she's got this giant um, pop star energy. It's really cool to to um, sort of see that happening. But like I, I enjoy her music. I agree with 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 Richard as well about that transition. Like you can hear some of the country stuff in this album, and and you can hear some of that pop stuff sort of blending into it. It sounds pretty cool. So um, I actually made the mistake and and listened to the pre. Taylor's version before listening to the Taylor's version. So I didn't realize that there was a Taylor's version at first. And then I went back and listened to it again. So um, I always start at the beginning. I did the same thing. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely some drama there with regards to, to her rights of her songs and stuff. But, um, I don't, I don't think I'm necessarily her, her demographic, like her, her target demographic either, but I'm sure she'd love it if everybody was her target demographic. Right. She she wants to be the biggest performer in the world and I think she's getting there. Is she not there already? Probably is. Mm. Uh I, I will mean, say that like I don't feel like when I listen to her lyrics that she's speaking to me. Uh, I'm I don't I don't fit into that. Maybe her newer I, I did listen to her latest album too. Same kind of thing. Doesn't mean I can't and appreciate some catchy tunes. I agree with you 100%. Like, if it was to come on the radio, I'll listen through it. I'll listen to the song. Yeah. One thing I was surprised at is how many of the songs on this album that would just start running in my head later. Like, <laughs> no, seriously, like, it, it was almost weird. Like, State of Grace, Red, Treacherous, I Knew You Were Trouble, All Too Well, 22, We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, you know, The Last Time, uh, Sad, Beautiful, Tragic, Stay, Stay, Stay. Like, at different times, each one of those stupid songs would, would be, like, fully formed in my head. Like, there must be some sort of weird sorcery. Like, <laughs> It's called work. It's called working with professional songwriters. I guess, We've been doing like this it's... for years and years. Now there are songs in this album that I think, and I'm actually looking up. I want to look up the songwriting credits because that's something that I caught myself. I caught myself checking a lot of biases that I have in listening to this. Of just like the natural anti-pop music contrarian that I am, and being like, eh, she, you know, doesn't play her own instruments. She doesn't write her own songs, and then. Checking that and being like, no, you have to oh, actually writes, make sure she of has that. a writing credit on every single song. Yeah, and so <laughs> that's I want to make sure that okay, if I'm going to get an, if I'm having a reaction to this, is this you know some bias that I'm carrying from decades past, or you know, it seems like I mean, the answer on this one is yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Max Here's Martin. one thing I didn't. One one thing I didn't realize about her before this was that like she comes from, you know, essentially the Nashville School of Music. Like she came out yeah. of the Nashville scene, which is pretty legit. And Nashville, will, Nashville <laughs> will pump out catchy songs like No Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It, it, like just just how catchy it was though, and how many songs. Like I just kept repeating the fact that there is actually a Snow Patrol song on this album. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was weird too. <laughs> but wait, what? Yeah, oh, the, there is the last time. Huh. Yeah, it sounds just like a Snow Patrol song. 
Huh. Neat. Um, but it's like, I don't know, like it, it's an album that I could listen to repeated times and not feel like I was listening to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I, I really thought it was well done. I quite liked it, which I was not expecting. Now, so a big reason album, why it sounds like a Snow Patrol song is because the singer from Snow Patrol is performing. It's from it Snow Patrol, her. yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and yeah, Gary when, Lightbody when was this album performing. What's the original original uh, red? Was it 2012? 12. Yeah. Yep. Okay. One of those years. Yeah, Max Martin. Max Martin did like three songs. Yeah, she loves to do collabs. Like she's always pulling people in. She's usually dating people, breaking up with them, and then writing a song about it. And pulling somebody else in to perform that song with her. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cat. <laughs> Unhappy cat. Right. Uh, among among like male celebrities who are of. Close, you know, reasonably close age of her. It's almost like a rite of passage to have a song, a breakup song written about you by <laughs> Taylor Swift. Yeah, that's true. Which, hey, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, you put on a song, you'd be like, "You have a song, catchy, right? Top ten, yeah. platinum. It's about me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she hates my guts. It sucks. <laughs> the song. Yeah. I mean, that that just feels so Carly Simon to me. <laughs> <laughs> or your or Dave Has... Coulier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, have you got? Have any of you guys ever had a song written about you? Not that I'm aware of. Not oh, that. Uh, not that I've. 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 I haven't heard that diss track. If it has. <laughs> <laughs> me, me, me and Taylor ended things on on amicable terms, so she hasn't written anything about me yet. Oh, later. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, she it was so amical. She doesn't even remember who you are. Not a clue. <laughs> <laughs> Let me backstage. I knew her. No, she she doesn't know. No, you didn't. <laughs> I shook her hand once at a uh, at a convention. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, that was a lie. <laughs> no, you got you got you got beaten by seven bouncers. But I did have a song written about me once. So. Did you? Yeah. Nice. Can, can we can Wait, we do that song first? Or no. Saying. What? Oh, I said nice or no. <laughs> oh, it's kind of funny. Um, it was written by a friend of mine back in the university, the first time at university, uh, when we were all in university. <laughs> um, and her her boyfriend thought it was about him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We nothing, nothing actually, nothing serious happened there. We were we were just good friends, but there was there was attraction. There was attraction. Mm. That, there was tension. There was tension yeah, definitely kind of. definitely tension, but it didn't it didn't uh, manifest into anything more do, serious. Do I do I do I know who this is? Hell yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. Right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Nothing like a little bit of uh, a little bit of vague, you know, <laughs> a little bit of intrigue to get the audience 
all spiced up. Ooh, who's the person I've never heard of? <laughs> Craig yes, also knows who this is. It's, it's Selena person. Gomez. Mm. <laughs> I feel like I probably I don't. don't, so I'm just gonna be like, Meh. I went to Waterloo. Well, I'll connect <laughs> yeah. with uh, I'll connect with Richard offline <laughs> to learn this yeah. to learn the secret story of these secrets. <laughs> that's very secret. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's I don't know just, what to say. Yeah, what, what, oh. what's your what's your uh, your general takeaway, Craig? Like, uh, you you had you had these preconceived notions that ended up being not entirely founded. So, once you had realized that these notions were not actually in reality, did that change the way you felt about this, or no. do you still think it's mass-produced schlock? It's not so. The lyrics are clever. Her song, her lyrics are fine. Are really good. Um, I think my initial reaction was was that it was much. It wasn't as unique as I thought it was going to be. I came in with the perspective of like there has to be some identifiable trait to Taylor Swift's music that has made her last in a world of like Katy Perry's and Lady Gaga's and you know other pop people. Mm. And then when I heard the first three tracks, I was like, this sounds like standard, like pop country. I don't get it. What, why is she selling a God billion albums? Um, granted, this is the transitional album. So maybe like her popularity accelerated, but also like mm -hmm. pop country is a huge genre that sells massive amount of tickets. So it also makes sense that she would be enormous. Um, this album makes me sad, like legitimately sad to listen to. Um, the reason's kind of weird. Um, I don't, maybe a reason I don't like pop music is this album, especially like every song is about having a romantic experience, especially when you're young, when you're in your twenties. And that's kind of a sensitive topic for me. I have feelings and thoughts about, you know, that. And so hearing songs about like, oh, I met someone and like got romantically involved with them over and over and over again, that kind of gets depressing for me over the course of the album. Like even All Too Well was really hard for me to listen to for other reasons, which I won't get into. Um, but yeah, that was a bit more of a surprising reaction of like, this is a, this album actually makes me kind of sad. If you think it was um, hard for you, you should imagine what Taylor was feeling. Yes. <laughs> She's the one who went through all these relationships and they all crashed yeah, and burned. Pouring, <laughs> pouring her feelings out into multi-million selling. Do you think there's singles. a wiki out there of everybody that she's dated? Probably, I would right? imagine. Probably. That, that feels like well, the genius. kind of thing the internet would know. And well, Genius.com. Just going through her, her discography here, she does have a self-titled album. Her first one. There you go. Um, 2006. So how old is she right now then? 33. 34? 33? 30 something. Yeah. She okay. started, She got a record contract when she was in her teens. Like okay. she started, I was looking up a bit of her bio earlier this afternoon and she started songwriting like 13, 14. She, she became like a professional recording artist at an absurdly like silver chair age. I'm just curious what the album right now would be that's made her as big. Like just to build off of what you were talking about, Craig, like what is the Taylor Swift magic that's made her fill these stadiums? And probably cons probably consistency. Because if we go yeah. to take like Katy Perry, Katy Perry's a good reference point where Katy Perry was like 
absolutely massive for a very short period of time, but couldn't capitalize on that momentum. Mm -hmm. Whereas Taylor Swift has been able to be consistently good in pop music for probably an outlier amount of time. Mm -hmm. If I'm like armchair spitballing why Taylor Swift is a phenomenon, you know, pop musicians, maybe minus your Lady Gaga's and your occasional artist, tend to burn very bright, but very quickly. I, I think personally, like I would say that she, her target audience is both A, large, and B, she she hits them very hard. Mm -hmm. Like she, she, she writes for a particular group of people and yeah. they carry her through everything. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones that, that, that were buying those tickets for those crazy high prices. Right. The well, I mean, there's, that... there's also the deal with, with Ticketmaster not, <laughs> you know, not letting the scalpers not get through all their systems. Sorry, Craig, go ahead. Yeah. The, the other thing that would help that we can't judge by a single album is if her music has grown up with her mm -hmm. so that the audience can stay on from every album, like sure. as opposed to an artist that just keeps writing music for teenagers their entire career. That's fair. I think too, you if you look at the essentials playlist or, or like a, the greatest hits or whatever the playlist that you have access to, if you can scroll down it and you recognize a large number of the songs, whether you've listened to them yourself or just heard them on the radio or just heard them, them mentioned in conversation, like just scrolling through here, there's like, you know, dozens of songs here that are all recognizable. And so she's got this massive back catalog of, of hits. So whether it was coming from Red or coming from her newest album, there's stuff that's getting a lot of radio play and and people know her stuff. So whether she's singing something from 15 years ago or she's singing something from this year, people are still screaming in the in the stands, right? Yeah, that, that's fair. And she's she's got a pretty large rabid following, so there'll always be people singing along. <laughs> no, I mean it's um I, I was surprised at how well-crafted it was and how much I actually enjoyed listening to it. So, you I know, mean, it's no, it's no Boston, but it's, it's something. Thank God. <laughs> or Steve can't handle the seventies of Boston. We should do Boston next too. <laughs> yeah. In that, in, in that segue, I, I think we've all said our <laughs> Taylor piece, unless you have a final, does Richard have a final moment? Uh, I just, realized that she shares a birthday with my father oh there you go same year right not same year <laughs> much different year <laughs> taylor swift is actually like an ancient aztec goddess and she's been around for a very long time <laughs> that's how she well, figured it all out but you know what richard you guys have something in common you guys have something in common now maybe you guys could hook up and she could write a song about you I'll, I'll have to let somebody know that uh, we'll have to put things on hold for a few months. Because <laughs> you have to date I'm Taylor sorry, Swift. I have to date Taylor Swift. <laughs> yep. Everybody, everybody has to date Taylor Swift at some point. It's my turn. My name came I'll, out of I'll, the lottery. I'll make sure she dedicates the song to you. So, yeah. you know, there's that. <laughs> my planet needs me. 
<laughs> Poochie went back to his own planet. <laughs> All right. All right. Oh, let's, speaking about Boston. Let's talk Boston. Michael? Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. So, so this came up for a variety of reasons. Um, one of them is um, I started getting into a little bit of vinyl recently. Uh, not nearly as as sort of cool a collection as Richard has, and I'm not sure if uh, if, if uh, Craig or Steve, if you guys have like vinyl collections at all. But um, I, I ended up getting a record player, and I was like going through my parents' records, and I was like, I wanted to see what you guys have. I'm sure there's something in here that I'll I'll enjoy, and found quite a few things that I that I liked listening to. Um, and one of them was the Boston self-titled album because I was just really into the 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 big overplayed everyone knows more than a feeling but I love it it's candy I I, I love it and I, I played it on rock band or no guitar hero I played it on guitar hero and loved it and um, and so I was like okay let, let me listen to this and I put it on and listened all the way through and and I quite enjoyed it I've, I've always had kind of a soft spot for 70s rock Uh Ah, uh, is it is it there? Richard's looking through the collection. Does he have Boston's self-titled album in there? Uh, is it bringing your collection down, Richard? <laughs> <laughs> I do own a copy of it, but I'm wondering because I loaned some of my records to one of my nieces a couple years uh, okay. ago, and she might have it. But she I actually own a, I actually own like a, a graphic print vinyl of that album. Oh, neat. Okay. Okay. Cool. So I didn't know a lot about it, um, especially going into it, except that I just liked the, the, that song. And then I did a little bit of research and discovered that, you know, all of the instrumentation is done by one guy, which I thought was crazy cool. Um, and, and so it was, uh, uh, what's the guy's name here? Uh, da, 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 da. Tom Schultz. Schultz. Tom Schultz. Yeah. And, and, uh, and he had a, um, a singer, Brad Delp, that did the voice, the voiceover parts and, and that he was just kind of big in the Boston music scene in the seventies and was trying to get, get his, his music known and eventually got it picked up. And, and, uh, it's considered, uh, um, an airplay, uh, like, a, a, sorry, it's considered like a staple and constantly played on classic rock radio, um, considered one of the best albums of the seventies. And I just had a really good time listening to it. So, um, I wanted to, to get, uh, to get your thoughts guys if uh what you thought of it and it's always good i think to go back to the roots sometimes you know to reach back into the 60s 70s and 80s is where some of the music came from and honestly it's, right? yeah it's uh, it's an album i never would have listened to if it wasn't thrown at me that mm. this this and sticks and god forsaken tommy and savage garden <laughs> it's not the 70s but it's also an album i never would have listened to so <laughs> but um i mean it was all right like you know it was more than a feeling is more than a feeling i think everyone's heard that song about a hundred million times mm-hmm. um much to their chagrin for most of us um <laughs> i still uh, love it i'll turn it up if it comes on i'll turn it up <laughs> 
uh, peace of mind was i actually i, I like the harmonies in that i thought it was a pretty mm. good tune um the rest of it was so brutally forgettable that i don't know anything about it and i listened to it like a dozen times it is taste is such an interesting thing to me i've come i've come to realize in the past few years i love like analyzing how people's taste works just, how, ar- just how arbitrary taste is and how contradictory <laughs> it can be yeah um first i like first three, i didn't like us yeah first three and a half songs on this i'm gonna say like rock and roll band a half for me absolutely fantastic love them great fantastic guitar work i have a i'm a huge sucker for harmonized guitar leads yes mm. this checks all those buttons after rock and roll band it kind of turns into like more standard 70s yeah that's that's probably why yeah. i can't remember any of it <laughs> yeah but yeah i agree if it is hard to listen to more than a feeling objectively because yeah it's been played everywhere since it was released um my first exposure to everything except more than a feeling was i think rock band had a boston play, dlc pack. It, it had four play long time for sure yeah, didn't it four play long time and i think you could get peace of mind and rock and roll band as ah. dlc later and i think mm. uh, a friend of mine um had that and so that's where i heard those songs for the first time um yeah no this is fine it's also it's also good that fine. <laughs> I, that was not a good choice of words for me because considering how much i like the first half um it there's also lots stands... of albums that are have a strong half and then just peter out like mm. lots of albums yeah you're, yes. you're it's going to be more rare to find an album that's perfect all the way through it's also not on the kansas like seven minute proggy or pop side of oh, 70s rock Ooh, are we doing I, kansas next <laughs> no don't i really i i really hate that chat <laughs> there are worse things than kansas can than kansas steve there's um green grass and high tides the uh, worst song i always uh, loathed playing on rock band because it's like i don't know uh, 12 another thing to remember about rock. this uh another thing to remember about this era of music is um it was re- it was released on on LPs. So mm-hmm. when you're saying like a really side, strong yeah. first three and a half tracks, yeah, that's, like, that's side, your side yeah. A. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people, there was a thing called the I don't know what they called them actually, but they're record players. You could stack records, and it would it automatically drop one down, play it, and then the thing would lift. Next one drops down, plays it. So you you could queue up all these records, but you weren't and just getting play side B side of them. And like, I yeah, screw the side B. <laughs> I didn't know that existed. That's hilarious, yeah. but that also makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, and particularly in that era, like the 70s era. So yeah. you're talking about like 70s, and this is very much 70s, um, 70s, like stadium rock. And it's good 70s stadium rock, but it's, it's 70s stadium rock. Um, and, you know, that's how, that's how some people would listen to this stuff. They would just play the side a of a whole bunch of albums and then maybe if they cared enough they'd flip those albums over and play side b of all those albums or or maybe they wouldn't most of them were too high at that point couldn't couldn't flip the album yeah, yeah. they're just by that point they're just passed <laughs> out on the couch partied out man that's, that's right good. jesus sorry I, I this is a complete non sequitur i've i was just going through the classic albums because I, I had an album in mind um to do this week of course 
We never did a Smashing Pumpkins album. Yeah, we brought this up a few times. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? <clears throat> doesn't make any question, sense. The burning question for you, Mr. Steven, is is it Siamese Dream or is it Melancholy? It would be Melancholy. 100%. I thought, I thought so, but I know there are probably people the who would prefer Siamese Dream. The podcast is called The Zero Check. I know, I know. And we haven't hit it yet. Oh, we love some irony around here. In years. years. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's I think that's purely why we haven't yet. <laughs> as soon as you get that album, we have to stop. We hit singularity. Sorry, sorry, I, I'm sorry about that. I, I was just completely taken aback by that fact. Oh, might, might inspire something new. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I think we all agree that they suck. <laughs> You had a lot less vitriol for it than I thought you would based on uh, how you were saying. It's not interesting enough to hate. Mm. (laughs) Like, it's... I guess that makes sense. It's just really bad in places. (laughs) Like, it's it's just... But, like, really bad in a really generic way. I can Mm. see that. It definitely loses its, like... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Richard. I was just going to say, the songs that are good are, like, solid road trip slash like come on at a party yeah and then something else comes on they're okay Uh, yeah but but there's just so much it's 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 not even that any of it's actively bad it's just boring (laughs) yeah see i would disagree on that (laughs) but but it's not not like Animals as leaders, bad. It's like just bad. <laughs> See, that kind of goes back to the the taste thing, right? Yeah. Like, like the um, like I would argue that something like Neutral Milk Hotel, I had a really hard time staying interested in. That's right. Fair. Like, like I found something like, but then then I'm more interested in in your uh, poppy um overplayed comfortable music you know the stuff that i'm used to listening to it's just it just feel it's like it's like wrapping in a blanket that you feel comfortable in you know? whereas i have completely avoided that music most of my life <laughs> mm, see and that's why this that's why this works because <laughs> i would never listen to neutral milk hotel otherwise and you probably wouldn't put on a boston album i actually can't believe how much i like neutral milk hotel i thought they were amazing <laughs> <laughs> I'm also surprised you like um, Brian Jonestown uh, Massacre, Stephen. I, I mean, I I, cho- I I like the Danny Warhols a lot. Are we transitioning again to another else? <laughs> I got to make sure Richard gets his... Because uh, <laughs> I, I think Richard said the least about Boston thus far. Oh. I'm sure everyone said uh, their peace of mind. Uh, do you have any more Boston? Boston? Do you want to give a peace of mind on Boston? Sure. Just because I can. Um, I I don't know what else to say. Honestly, I I, it's a it's an all right album. There's some really good songs on it that are fun, and then there's a bunch of filler. I don't know what else to say. As far as that like seventies, as far as that seventies stadium rock sound goes, they're like high up there. Mm -hmm. There's like eight songs on the album, and like six of them are filler. It's not great. It's it's dad no, there's rock. There's eight songs like on it, the album, and 
five of them are filler. <laughs> Agreed. This this was my dad's album, and if he heard it coming on, he would be so excited. Like it's it's it's, it's dad rock. That's fair. Total dad rock. Yeah. <laughs> Grand dad um, rock. Right seven seventies stadium rock. <laughs> Grand dad became rock. Dad rock. Yeah, it's true. It did because everyone in the seventies was listening to it. As yeah. a Chicago, you know, it's all those all those place name bands. You know, yeah. Kansas. <laughs> I'm I'm convinced that they name themselves after their favorite stadium to play at. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean Boston, it was a thing. Indeed. Actually, are they still alive? They still alive? I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, they had a weird break, right? They did like two albums and then nothing for oh yeah. eight years. There was an eight year break. Oh, I and then have no like, idea. Eight year break and then like can, another. Can you eight can year you go break. catch them in the in the casino somewhere now or are they all? <laughs> Probably. Oh, I do, I do have a spot a soft spot for Chicago, but they're not Boston. Twenty five oh six two. In April twenty seventeen, exactly. Schultz re- reported that he's writing new material for a seventh Boston album. Seven in like eighty years. <laughs> it's like that's that's a that's a longer release schedule than Tool. Yeah. That's a longer release schedule than George R. R. Martin. Hey <laughs> oh. Indeed. So in any All case, right. we can slide over to uh, the Brian Jonestown massacre. Um I, I said I have always been a fan of the Dandy Warhols for years. I think they're really awesome. And um I uh I was going to see a concert. Um my my wife and her brother and his wife and I went to um, the Masonic Temple in Toronto. We saw that's weird. Brian that you went Jones. with his wife. You like hmm? that's 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 weird that it was. Yeah, you know, I mean, siblings going to a concert together makes sense, but like the other siblings' partners, like. Yeah, no, I'm was, just making fun know, of the way the order you listed everyone in. Oh yeah, you know, I'm, you know, my wife, her brother. His wife. Yeah. <laughs> you. Um, me. Yeah. I mean, I was. I'm kind of a given. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, so we, we were going to see this concert. So, um, I wanted to to choose an album, you know, from the Brian Jones on Massacre, and I chose their their debut album, Methadrone. Um, I feel like Methadrone is very much a work of its time. Like it came out in 95 and it sounds very much like a 1995 kind of drony shoegazy sort of album. And I, um, you know, I, so I, after having listened to, um, uh, M83 last time I was like hey let's just let's just roll the theme uh, and I chose that one and it also has a couple of tracks on it that are, are I found always thought were pretty like the first hell the first five tracks of the album are really strong <laughs> and then I feel like that's, it's um, that's that's side a on the vinyl you gotta yeah pretty it. much yeah and av- after that it, it kind of they really lean into their 
droney, jammy sort of side. <laughs> the gazing at the shoes intensely. Yeah, the, the gazing of shoes. Um, but uh, so, and then just as a, a note on, in the, the concert, I know there's a movie. Uh, it's called Dig. And it came out, I think, in the mid-2004, like 2005 or something. And it was about Brian Jones, the massacre, and the Dandy Warhols. And uh, they, they have like a, a rivalry, I guess. Uh, and it was it was about that rivalry. I gotta see this and, movie. Yeah, just dig with an exclamation point at the end. Um, <laughs> so the the lead singer uh, and the main guy, basically, and the, the guy in Brian Jones' Sound Massacre, his name is Anton Newcomb, and he is famous for giving his band members a hard time and then making excuses for why the music isn't as good as he thought it should be. And I, I thought that, I, I suppose it happens, and I haven't actually seen Dig, but I've heard of it, that he's, like, he, he, he'll say, oh, I was sick, or something like that. So at the concert we were at, he was just going into the drummer. Like, he was just like, no, <laughs> do it like this. That's not good. It sounds bad. Like he's just, he was just riding. And the, the, honestly, the drummer sounded fine, but he was just riding the drummer all concert. And at the end, he's like, I'm running a fever of 105. <laughs> and, you know, any other musician wouldn't have even come out. So get used to that kind of thing. <laughs> like it, it was just mm-hmm. like, Why and everyone, they were good. Like they, he had no no need to make excuses for their performance. The the only thing that brought everything down was him friggin' riding the drummer. You know, it was ridiculous. Weird. And I it's guess not he has an a, act like he's is he? Like oh no, he's doing that. Like he he was not a happy man. <laughs> it, and also the other part of the story is um, there's um there's a pub just down the street from the Masonic Temple. It's called the Crown Dragon. Uh, and it, uh, it has really good chicken wings. So we opted to go there before the show. Haven't you been there, Craig? Probably. Haven't we been to the, yeah, haven't we been to the Crown Dragon? That's where like we meet up with James and Dave and Terry and whatnot. Oh. And it, on, on Thursdays, they had half-price wings, so we'd always go there. But, yes. it, yeah. but in any case, yes. and they're very good wings. Yes. In any case... Um, so we go in and we get a table and we're, we're sitting there and, and, and I, I, my friends, Cade and Aaron happened to be there and they were going to the concert as well. So that was neither here nor there though. But in walks the Brian Jonestown massacre and sits right next to them. <laughs> so they were in there having like beers before the concert started. It was fun times. <laughs> so anyway, what do other people think of this album? I have thoughts. Think away. I'll express. I'll express my thoughts. Um, yeah. So Brian Jonestown's ma- uh, Brian Jonestown Jonestown Massacre. Um, my exposure to them beforehand was uh, individual songs that that uh, Spotify would put on after I'd listened to some Dandy Warhols album. Uh, I've been a fan of the Dandy Warhols for a long time. Uh, in our first run of this show, you know, twelve years ago. Uh, I chose 13 Tales from Urban Bohemia as one of our albums that we discussed. 
That's a uh, great album. So yeah, great album. And but I, I love all Andy Warhol's albums. Um, there's there's a strong similarity with them, and I made this this comparison earlier today. It's almost like the Dandy Warhol, if we're going to use weed, uh, cannabis references, um, it's like the Brian Jonestown Massacre is like a really archetypal uh, indica strain, and the Dandy Warhols are sativa. And for those who have, don't, those who don't know, basically these are the downers, and the Dandy Warhols are the, the happy fun dancey guys but very similar in terms of their style they're both west coast bands that formed you know early 90s late 80s i think brian jonestown massacre started yeah 1990 um so dandy warhols came maybe a couple years after them but they released their debut albums the same year um and i think that the dandy warhols debut album is so much better but that's my preference that's fair like I, I actually prefer the Daniel Warhols as well. Yeah. Um, that said, some of some of the Brian Jonestown massacres later stuff is also fun. Uh, this was just a really, it's definitely a vibe. And there was a couple of songs that did stand out to me, and they were pretty early on, like was said before. Uh, like Wisdom. Evergreen Crush, is really good. Yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. They're they're pretty decent songs, and then and then it just goes into this droning vibe that is hard to pay attention to. But yeah. it wouldn't be too bad to have in the background if you're doing something else. I, I definitely Those hear that ones. hard to pay attention to. Like there comes a point mm. where you're just like, mm. like it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't but yeah, it's, like, it could have been, all, could have all been of the 30 albums, minutes shorter. Yeah, all of the albums we had we were discussing this week, I think except for the this one are good like driving music i did a lot of driving this past weekend uh in, to quebec and back well not quebec city but to eastern townships and back um and i just i had no desire to listen to this while driving at least not mm-hmm. while driving by myself um but you there's nothing to sing along to there's nothing to bob to there's it's just and you can't stare at your shoes while you're driving. Like that's it's crazy. Crash. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be so dumb. <laughs> all right, that's all I have to say. Okay. Anyone else? I guess I yeah, go I was next. Very... Yeah, go. Or, or or me me and Craig can talk over top of each other, and then Richard can use uh, editing magic. <laughs> just... By editing magic, he means just let it play. <laughs> Something, something, AI, something, something, false promises. Our audience are busy people. So what we're going to do moving forward, we're going to make this a five-minute podcast. Each of us are just going to say our spiel over top of each other, and then we're just going (laughs) to put it out there. Fortunately, you listen to it in the right or left channel, whatever whatever you like. Fortunately, Craig Bot records us all in separate tracks, so it's actually not too hard to do something (laughs) like that. Oh, (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yay, Craig Bot. Um, Okay, I'll I'll, I'll be quick. I, I, I have no background with any of this type of music um i liked it i i I enjoyed it i listened to it while i was um sort of mindlessly playing video games and and it kind of worked pretty well like i was just doing some grinding i was playing 
you know, I was just playing some games where you really don't have to think much. You just sort of walk around trying to build some levels and stuff. And, and it was and it was good for that. I kind of enjoyed just having that playing in the background while I was doing that. Um, kind of enjoyed Ooh. the sound. I've never heard the Dandy Warhols before um, and I've never heard uh, these guys before. So I'm I'm I, it's it's a new experience for me. Um, like but I agree with you. I would not. From, 13 Tales from Urban Bohemia. Make it happen. That's the one. OK. The Dandy Warhols Come Down is really good, too. 13 Tales from Urban Bohemia. Dandy Warhols Come Down is really good. Dandy's yeah. Rule OK is really good. Welcome to the Monkey House is really good. Distorted Man is really good. How many how many Dandy Warhol vinyls do you have behind you there? Uh, funny story. I actually have three of them that I'm supposed to. I, I should be picking up from UPS tomorrow. Oh, nice. Oh. There you uh, go. New vinyls incoming. New yes. vinyls. So yeah, I don't have too much to say other than I. I, I it, it was for me. It was just like a new music experience. So sit back and listen to it. I would not. Just like Richard said, I would not listen to it while driving. I think it would be too easy to drone off while you're listening to it. Um, <laughs> you <know? laughs> but uh, but if you're doing something that doesn't require a lot of brain power and you just want to sit back and just enjoy something that's just sort of playing while you're doing other things and just appreciate some interesting instrumentation, some interesting beats and stuff, pretty cool. Yeah. It would be excellent like couch gaming session, like sitting on a couch with, a, with somebody else playing the game with it mm-hmm. playing in the background. Perfect. Hey man, you're gonna press start. Oh, I thought you were gonna press start, man. Oh. That was an hour ago. <laughs> man, Dude. that's what happens when you smoke indica. Greg, uh, this all I had to really force myself to try and get through this. I think this uh, this lives in that middle area for me where it's not ethereal enough that it can work as background music, but it's not intense enough that I can actively engage with it. Mm. When, I, when I first listened to it, I had high hopes because that like mid nineties guitar tone hits you right away. And that burst of nostalgia of, yes, this sounds awesome. This is going to be great. And then every song is at the same energy level and there are no discernible fair. guitar melodies and it just keeps going. That's and, also fair. And it's just engaging enough that for me, I can't background it. Like I mostly listened to tried listening to this at work and it was just distracting enough that I couldn't tune it out. Um, my bot, my brain would instinctively try to pay attention to it and it was just boring. I don't know. There's lives in a weird middle ground for me of it. It needs to be either more mellow or more energetic Mm. for me to find it interesting. But the first song has like Weezer's guitar tone from their first album. And then the second song, the intro guitar is extremely similar to a band from the 2000s, Pelican, that does like a lot of long instrumental, not quite shoegaze, but instrumental rock. Mm. Oh, this game! I was really, yeah, I was really surprised <laughs> that you like this, Steve. Yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, if you if you listen to any more Brian Jones Town Massacre, it's it's less droney than this. Like it's okay. It's more. It. I. I swear to God, if I didn't know the guy was from San Francisco, I think he was British. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that and, in listening some, to the. Sometimes vocals. he does like a. There are songs where he's doing a perfect imitation of the Cure, and there's other songs where they sound just like the Rolling Stones, and there's you know like they they they're kind of like chameleons that way. 
They have they 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 kind of feel the sound of other bands and for for certain songs and some albums are more this way and some albums are more that way. But um, yeah, they they have like a a strong strain of like British rock that comes after this album. Hmm. If that's I also at all interesting to you. <laughs> I also figured that if I my reaction to this would probably be a lot different if I had been listening to this since 1995 sure. and had some also nostalgic attachment to it from that time. But fair yeah. enough. All right, and I do believe we have one more album, Mr. Indeed, Greg. millions of peaches, gentlemen. Millions of peaches for us. Peaches for me. We are, we are staying previous year of our Lord 1995 with the debut self-titled release of Seattle's own Presidents of the United States of America. This album is most famous for the songs Lump and Peaches. Um, this catapulted the band into stardom. Um, unfortunately, like many other bands we've covered on this show, they would not be able to attain similar heights with the albums after this. But I honestly think yeah. that's a problem for most bands period yes having a, lo a, a lot of bands are are a flash in the pan yeah and they don't they don't even get a second peak after their first yeah. one um i will use richard's just um analogy he used a bit ago of like road trip records um and i think even richard you had this note that you post in chat like this is a fantastic easy listen um album from start to finish um, it's also very much an album that I feel could only ex have existed and been as popular as it was in 1995, where there was room for like quirky, weird rock like this mm -hmm. to gain mainstream acceptance, where you have songs about like chickens and using a metaphor of a bug to describe a dude who sits in his house all day and looks at his TV, um, alongside a really cool cover of MC5's Kick Out the Jams. <laughs> Um, this band, so one thing I didn't know about this band before the episode was they have a ton of connections to the Seattle scene. They didn't just come out of nowhere. They had been toiling away. So Soundgarden's Kim Thiel plays guitar on one track in this album. And really? they also, yeah, Naked and, was it Naked and Famous? He has a solo. I think it's Naked and Famous. He has a guitar <laughs> solo. They also spent a lot of time with Morphine's lead singer. Um, Steven in their formative oh, years. Morphine. Yeah. Bring back another reference from our first iteration of the show. So Indeed. yeah. Although, although the, the morphine album we chose, I think Richard chose back in the day. I don't know. Did you choose it, Richard? Someone chose it. I may have. Someone chose morphine. <laughs> morphine and that I have to look it up. Clicked in who chose morphine. But yeah, they have a lot of they had a lot of Seattle connections, and despite being not at all really prototypical yep. grunge. Episode 1.7, Richard chose Morphine, yes. Whoa, nice. In, in that same that week, episode? Craig yeah, Craig chose The Damned Things Ironoclast, which I loved. That's such a good album. And I chose The Dresden Dolls, yes, Virginia. Ooh. 
that is great. That was a yeah, yeah. good line. Love that album. Solid <laughs> Maybe we should we should get these old episodes posted sometime. Yeah, why not? They exist. I mean, I, I had to listen to them to pull out what we did. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, anyway, gentlemen, nonsense. what did you think of? What did you think of this quirky little artifact from the mid nineties? I, I liked it. It's it's really listenable, like really listenable, and it's easy to forget just how enormous Lump was. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was huge. It was everywhere. Weird Al covered it. Yeah, Weird Al. Like, I was going to say that too. <laughs> like it was huge. And then Peaches had the ninjas. Yep. Peaches had the music video. But honestly, I'd never yep. listened to the whole album before. Oh. Like I, I don't think I'd ever listened to the, the in its entirety. I remember Kitty. Um, but that was also a single. Um, it, it was just good. Like I, I enjoyed it. I listened to it a number of times, and it was. You know, you, you got to actually ever, listen to it because it's fun. If, if you ever want to pass by a 35-minute drive or just 35 minutes of a drive uh, in a really fun, quick way, uh, this album's fantastic. The whole thing is fun. It's all upbeat. It, a lot of it is easy to sing along to. Um, it's quirky. There's laughs in it. There's, yeah. It's fun. Listen to it. It goes by yeah. really quickly. It does. Except, honestly, this, you, you listen to the album and you, you pull it up on Spotify or something and you get like all these extra tracks at the end. Yeah. You know, the deluxe edition or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Stop at the end of the original album. If you stop then, it is perfect. It is just mm-hmm. the right length. Mm-hmm. It, it it does not overstay its welcome. If you listen to everything, it's too long. Yeah, because the, the extended edition has a lot, and a lot of it is just <laughs> demos. Yeah. Except Fuck, Calif- Fuck California is hilarious. I did quite enjoy that B-side. <laughs> Fuck California! So this yes. is just an, another example of, of an album where I'm familiar with the, um, with the, the singles, but have never heard anything else. Uh, that these guys did. So I was very pleased to be exposed to this album. I agree with you guys. This was fun. Uh, every time I listened to it, I enjoyed it. It's been added to my uh, my Apple Music sort of go-to list of, of albums to go back to. So um, awesome. Great choice. So I would say I did mention that they didn't reach like any more peaks after this. I meant that more as like commercial peak. I would say the 2000 album, Freaked Out and Small, is just as good, if not better, than this. Ah. It's so good. It okay. was originally released on some like rinky dink record label that went bankrupt. Um, but now with the magic of streaming, everyone can listen to it. So hey. definitely check it out. Freaked out and small. So good. How's the song about the Death Star? Ooh, I'm on board. Cool. Okay. I, I haven't listened to much of their later stuff. I think I listened to their follow up. A bit. It wasn't as strong, but if you're saying yeah, that, two, two is a definite like sophomore slump album. Yeah, like it just feels like the energy isn't there, That's and the, the attitude. Like this album also has like a swagger and a like it has some punch and some gusto. It's not just like yeah. silly. Whereas I feel it's, like the second album is just it's hard. The second, second albums are hard. Like yeah, the first album you have as long as you need to make it. You have all of your best ideas and you throw it in there 
and you know you, you have a lot of time to, to to grind it down and test it and play the shows live before you put it up it's it's almost like a pressure-free experience but the second you have a successful first album and you are on a, you're on a deadline to put out another one oh mm-hmm. that's trouble yeah yeah yeah, the first single from the second one was Mach 5, and I remember hearing that on the radio. I remember that, too. Oh, I don't remember it well, not... but I remember it. <laughs> it was not. I was like, oh, this this is not as good. This is, this is not Peaches nor Lump. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So, All right, should, should we talk about our next albums? Yeah, what, what do you want to choose? What do you, what you got, Michael? What do you got for us? What do you have that I won't like? <laughs> okay i'm gonna i'm gonna try so so we did savage gardens first album or second oh, album shit. i thought we should try no i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> um, oh, well. so i i've been sort of just listening through and uh and having some fun with some stuff that i had never really listened like all the way through to and and i thought it would be fun to do um a gorillas album oh uh okay. so i wanted to do demon days uh, nice good choice five um what the hell is that craig <laughs> we'll get to that okay <laughs> so yeah because I, I i i've always been curious i've always been interested in gorillas but i've never really listened all the way through until recently um so i thought that might be a fun one to talk about okay yeah I, I am familiar with like maybe one or two gorillas songs so this will be a good expansion demon days has dare on it right mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah yeah all right, who's next? You've written it down, Craig. Say it. Gentlemen, how do you feel about the old ones? The Elder Gods and the works of H- Mr. H.P. Lo- yes, Mr. H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so um, I haven't done... I, I haven't, I like, like, done... They're a bit I haven't done ext- and overdone. Pardon? I feel like they're a bit melodramatic and overdone. <laughs> That's acceptable. You have my axe. <laughs> um... I haven't pushed Extremity in a bit, so I figured we could do a real-ass death metal album by Germany's Sulfur Aeon. This is going to go fun. <laughs> I really like this album. I think it's fantastic. I really Did, like the fans. We've work. done how many... We, we, since we came back, we've done, what, like, is that 16 albums? And not one of them, except for Clutch, has sucked. I haven't like, pushed myself. really, really I, sucked. I've been, trying, I've been trying to, to like, pick things that I thought would go over well and this time mm. i'm like no screw it we're, we're just gonna do a death album i don't care that's fair i mean i'm not going to enjoy it i may only listen to it twice <laughs> that's fine <laughs> your, your worst albums list. only get two listens like <laughs> odakur like half a listen <laughs> yeah odakur or um animals is Le- i listened to animals Lears like a dozen times because we were on like an eight month hiatus at that time yes. and it was the album that we were stuck with oh God, <laughs> I like. Odeker. I should listen to Odeker more. That is that actually works as background music for me, and I don't know why. My brain is strange. <laughs> we did the Meshuga album, which wasn't great. Oh, good <laughs> Love that album. I uh, like Meshuga. <sighs> All right, I'll, I'll I'll tell you my my choice. I'm gonna do the Pogues, Rum, Sodomy, and the Lash. Ooh, Ooh cool. cool! I've heard of the Pogues. Mm. <laughs> It's gonna be a good one. Nice. Wait, they're a punk band, right? Uh, like they're like the band name. They're an Irish drinking band with no teeth. Uh, so punk adjacent. 
you look up Shane McGowan and and <laughs> do a Google image search search for Shane McGowan meth meth. Oi oi oi! Oh dear. Uh, he's he's a character, uh, and th- oh, this album came out in '85, so you oh, know it's oh, before he was Lord. before it was popular. I, to be fair, I don't know he's actually on meth, but he did have no teeth. Not a healthy man. <clears throat> the Pogues. Yeah. And Richard, uh, what do you got? Speaking of punk adjacent, um, so when I chose uh, Fleetwood Mac a couple of episodes ago, I flipped a coin, and it landed with Fleetwood Mac. And the other album I was thinking of about doing, I will do this time. Uh, and that was Joe Strummer and the Mescalero Street Corps. Uh, and I think it's a great album. And uh, I'm curious to find out what you guys think. You guys right. pick things that are too hard to spell. <laughs> also, no, I wrote mine down ahead never, of time. We've never done a Clash album, but here we are doing Joe Strummer and the Mescalero. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> okay, the so alternative too. that way. So Joe Scrummer and Not in Calling Can Suck My Ass. The Mescaleros. What's the album called? Streetcore. Streetcore. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. That should be and an interesting group of albums. Should be. Yeah. Death metal. Oh well. <laughs> it's not as unintelligible. I could I could have gone more unintelligible. But I chose Why? to reel back in there. Uh, yeah, I, should read, I read Craig's article on death metal English, so maybe I'll so understand good. it more. Oh, man. That is like one of my favorite evergreen articles on the internet. <laughs> if you were to ask me, like, what, what are your top five articles that I've ever read on the internet? That's in there. It's so funny. My, my, so my favorite one, uh, the one that I always remember years later, is on The Onion. And the, the title is Jesus Christ Converts to Islam. <laughs> and it is phenomenal. All right. So I just want to I just want to note before we close up that oh. uh, all of our past uh, recorded stuff is now posted. Woo! So yeah. this might get posted sometime near its actual recording date. What? Yeah, yeah. We're I'm aiming for We're within the next up. week. So so we can't put out a Christmas album in July anymore. Oh, we nope. could. We just we have could. to choose Christmas songs. Okay. Now we we'd be doing it for the uh, shiz at that point. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So faithful listeners, thank you for tuning in to episode six of season five of the Zero Check. Have a good week. If we do it another week, maybe we'll be able to keep up to date with you. Peace out, folks.